Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise you on our podcast is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Marco, um... We received a really nice tweet uh, last week in response to our last show, uh, and I just want to read it aloud. It's from um, the guys out at It's a Show podcast uh, from Red Deer, uh, and they said the following, thanks for the follow from Toronto, uh, listen and sleep, any more mellow and you'll be a blend of coffee, the melatonin of podcasting. Oh, I kind of love that, the melatonin of podcasting has a nice ring to it i actually got a chance to listen to their podcast which is called it's a show podcast and they're quite the opposite of that so i do want to send a shout out to greg sparky and peaker for sending us that lovely tweet what a lovely tweet and you can tweet us of course our listeners at listen and sleep tweet us let us know if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about now, Nidhi, you did mention that they were from Red Deer. For our listeners who aren't familiar, we should mention that that's in Alberta, Canada. And what an interesting place! I've never been to Red Deer, but I will be going to Edmonton very soon, and hopefully, be able to do a couple of podcasts uh, next month from Edmonton. And who knows? Maybe I'll bump into Greg Sparky and Peeker while I'm in Alberta, and we could do a, a joint podcast, if you will. So. Uh, folks, I'll be heading out to Alberta, but I've always wondered what Red Deer is like. What do you imagine Red Deer would be like? You know, Marco, that's a great question. I was going to ask you the same thing mm-hmm. in, in terms of if you'd ever been to Red Deer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I I always think of Alberta definitely having this cowboy element to it, sure. right? Which is definitely there. Um, I feel like Red Deer, I don't know, a bit of small town charm. Um, it's it's hard to compare because we're out in Toronto, which right. is kind of this sprawling metropolis. Right. Um, I kind of think that Red Deer must be beautiful, natural. Uh, like you can I, see the stars at sure, night. Sure. Um, I well, don't know. We'll, we'll have to invite our listeners from Red Deer to let us know if we're 
on point with that. For me, I always picture there must be some connection to deer. Mm -hmm. I was raised in a town called Woodbridge, and so it is kind of a suburb of Toronto. And as you would imagine, as a lot of suburbs are, there's a lot, there's a mall nearby, there's a lot of strip malls, there's, you know, cafes and places to hang out if you're a teen and you know people ask where where did it get get its name and in fact there was a bridge made of wood years and years ago that got washed away and now they just have in its place Nidhi is just a regular little street bridge it doesn't even go over uh like it the river I'm guessing it's a river. It looks more like a creek, if anything. And uh, so you kind of look and you you don't even realize sometimes you're crossing over a street bridge. It just feels like road. So what a way not to honor its name <laughs> by putting a street bridge in place of what I'm assuming was a beautiful bridge that got washed away. Oh, I don't even know how many years ago. I want to say in the 40s, I knew someone whose father rescued people in a canoe when the bridge washed away in that particular oh, flood. Wow. And the gentleman I knew was already fairly old, so his father must have been old when he Did rescued that. people. There you go. Well, speaking of fun facts about town, so I'm just looking at the city of Red Deer's um, website right now, Marco. Yes. And they have some fun facts and trivia about Red Deer. Uh, so it was incorporated in, as a town in 1901. So it's it's just over 100 years old, 110, well, almost 120 years old, I guess. Um, and it has, let's see, let's see. There were three railways in Red Deer. Wow, so that, that makes it kind of happening back back in the it, day. Yes. Um, their official cookie is the Caramel Surprise. Oh, Oh, yes. Now, there is something. I think it's remarkable that they have an official cookie. You know, you're right. I don't know any other cities that have an official cookie, and I wonder if Toronto, where we're broadcasting from, has an official cookie and what that cookie would be. Uh, but I love that the city has an official cookie because you often hear about cities or places that have an official flower or an official bird or state bird, but you don't hear about... An official cookie. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, they also have, um, it says here that Mickey the Beaver appeared in a movie. Now, I'm not quite sure uh, the, the, the significance of Mickey the Beaver, but I'm assuming that he must be big in Red Deer. Or was. Or was. At some point. Mm -hmm. And he clearly appeared in a movie, and I think that that's fascinating. Sure. Well, listen, hey, a shout out to Mickey the Beaver as well. Long may you be remembered, let's say. I'm sure Mickey the Beaver isn't, or may may not be around today. But uh, I don't know what the average lifespan of a beaver would be. But if you do know, let us know and we'll, we'll talk about it. I wanted to um, ask you, Nidhi, do you have any collections? Do you collect anything? I, when I was a kid, I had a stamp collection. Oh, you know what you call a stamp collector? What's that? I can't remember, but there's a, there's a name for it. Like, you know, um, 
a beekeeper has a special name and oh. it's, it's escaping me and a stamp collector. We'll find out before the end of the show what, what a stamp collector is called. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of a pseudo stamp collector. I think I just received a stamp book and a, and a bunch of stamps for a birthday one year and do, do called re- myself a stamp collector. Do you remember any of the stamps that All, were your favorite? So I remember one stamp that I um, gave away to a friend of mine because we used to uh, get together and um, trade stamps. And um, the stamp that I gave away, I didn't know, was from a country that no longer existed. So I kind of messed up there. Let me ask you what the stamp looked like and then what that country was. So... The stamp was some kind of bluish stamp. I don't really remember what um, building was on it, but it was a building of some kind. I can't remember if it was a courthouse or or something. Um, and the town itself, or, or the country, sorry, not the town, the country, uh, I'm not quite sure. Sh- I can't remember, but I remember it being in... Um, almost Russian, uh, that Cyrillic type, um, um, font, so, or language. So it must be sort of an Eastern Bloc nation that I think is probably no longer in existence. It could have been a a sub-state of the former Soviet Union if it had the Cyrillic writing or alphabet. Exactly. So what about you, Marco? Did you have any major... Uh, collections? Well, before we go to that, I also collected stamps. Oh, now, you did? You know, I think it was one of those things that it was a gift that people would give you. It would be a stamp book and then the starter kit for stamps. I, I don't know. Did you have the stamp collecting tools? That being the stamp tongs or the magnifying glass? They used to have oh, these little... Question. I think I had the tongs. I'm you, pretty sure had I had the tongs? the tongs. I'm pretty sure I had the tongs. The, the magnifying glass, I don't believe I had. Now, I had this really interesting... Now, let me see if you remember this as a fellow stamp collector. Mm-hmm. And when we say that, we say novice stamp collectors because we don't even know what a stamp collector, what the proper name for a stamp collector is. But in my kit, let's say... There were these little green, I want to say stickers, but they weren't even quite stickers. They were little green pieces of paper that were semi-translucent. And what you would do was fold these little pieces of paper, I want to say about three millimeters long. No, let's say um, four millimeters long and two millimeters wide. And you would fold them in half and you would lick one side of it and it would be tacky. It wouldn't even be sticky like uh, a stamp would be. It would be tacky and you would lick the other tacky end and you'd put one tacky end of this semi-translucent paper onto the stamp so it would tack onto the stamp and then you would put that tacky other layer that you lick onto the stamp book, the collecting stamp book. And that's how the stamp would adhere to your book. So you weren't actually like gluing the stamp onto your book, which would make it lose its value. But instead you would use this. And, I'm, and I bet that this translucent paper has a name to it too. But that was the only thing I had in my collection. So you would lick one end, lick the other, put the stamp on one end, and put that little tacky piece of translucent paper that I don't have a name for 
onto the stamp book. Okay, so interesting because my stamp book really had, um, I remember the translucent paper, but we didn't, the stamps actually went into kind of a, um, uh, there was like a piece of plastic, kind of like a plastic shelf, I guess, and you would put the stamp in the shelf or, or plastic divider, um, and that's what would hold the stamp, and then you would have this translucent page that went over the entire thing okay. to protect it, so you didn't have to actually stick, well, for lack of a better word, stick the stamp onto anything. Right. You didn't have to worry about it, it falling adhering apart. Adhering to it. it. Yeah. Exactly. You got now, it. if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, rather, a stamp collector is a philatelist. Am I saying that right? Philatelist. 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 So let's see if that's right. If there's any philatelists who are currently listening to the Insomnia Project, let us know if we're pronouncing that right. But uh, you can see that we weren't great philatelists if we barely remember that. I think my favorite stamp, there was, um, I had these numbered stamps that my mother's cousin's daughter so it would be my, I, I'm going to say third cousin. Your mother's cousin's cousin. daughter. So, so. My, mo- my mother's first cousin. Yeah. So your second, second cousin. Do- yeah, no, because my, my mother's cousin would be my second cousin. Okay, so here's an okay. interesting thing. Because I consider in my family, so my mother's cousin's daughter is my second cousin. Okay. But I know that that's not the way it is in many places. I think that that is me being very generous about my family ties, maybe. I don't know. I always picture, I always think of it like this. Your first cousin is your first cousin. So in this case, my mother's first cousin. Then if your first cousin has a child, they become your second cousin. So I would be the second cousin to my mother's first cousin and her daughter would be my mother's second cousin and as a consequence we would be third cousins to each other see i would think that your so if my cousin had a child they would consider me an aunt no because you're not you can't be an aunt to a cousin's child Unless your cousin is also your sister or brother. Because you become an aunt through your brother or sister's children. Hmm. See, I call my mother's... So, maybe this is... No, but it's... that's. I call uh, my mother's cousin... Yes. My aunt. Like, they... they, they Because she's older older and it's a sign of respect, for sure. You have, like... I know that I have... um, my friends' kids will call me uncle, even though I'm not officially. It's right. it's a term of endearment and respect, right, and right, right, right. that's cross cultural too. Because right. um, I'll often see my sister say to my niece, and she'll she'll say, um, you know, I'm my niece's uncle. So in Italian, she calls me zio. Right. And I'll see my sister say to people who aren't in our family, Oh, that's your zio, Danny. Let's say. Right. But I get upset because it's no. I'm her uncle. I'm the only zeal that she has on your side. 
it's like taking away from yeah, your it's like zeal. no no there's a certain there's a certain sort of like you know merit that you get yes. being the sibling of an, and and, ha- and your sibling having a child but back to that original stamp that i was telling you about yes. that i got from yes. my mother's cousin's daughter let's say for lack of a better word uh, well or, you know designation of sure. what cousin they are but it was a series of two stamps of these greek bronze statues that were found in the ocean I want to say in the Ionic Sea they were found years they were like really old statues that were found in the sea they must have you know been in a ship that was going from Greece to Italy and it sank and everything got disintegrated except for these bronze statues that were found and then made into stamps so the stamp wasn't particularly interesting as a child as you can imagine it's an old bronze statue but it was numbered, so it was signed and numbered. And I, sh- I, I will dig it up one day, and I will show it to you, because I'm sure it's in the recesses of my other collections in my basement. And most recent, my most recent collection was salt and, sugar, salt and pepper shakers. Really? Salt and pepper shakers? Now, did you collect fun ones was there like a theme that you were going for when you were collecting uh or was it like the most unique salt and pepper shakers or uh something that was art deco what was it that you would try and collect you know it's interesting it i fell upon salt and pepper shaker collections by fluke i went into this beautiful store that uh sells furniture and clothes and things that are you know from different eras and I'll show it to you what I have. We'll take a photo and we'll put it on um, on our Twitter feed. It is a tangerine salt and pepper shaker. And I saw it and it caught my eye in the store. And they were selling it for $25, which I thought was quite expensive. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not spending $25 on a salt and pepper shaker that I don't really need. Cut to a week later. All that I could think about was this salt and pepper shaker. So I went back and I said, what if I offer you $20? And I think I think I got it for $20. So I got this really awesome looking salt and pepper shaker for $20. And I really liked them. There was something about it. They looked really real to me and they had a uniqueness and a funness about it. And so as a result of that, I started to think, oh, I should collect more salt and pepper shakers. There's something fun about it. And then I went to a one of these uh, stores that sells, uh, you know, donated clothing and, and items. And they happened to have a collection of salt and pepper shakers that they were selling the whole collection. So you could, it was like a silent auction. You could write your name next to it. And I think for $18, I got, let's say, 15 different salt and pepper shakers, most of which were kind of not great in that they weren't old and they were made in China and they paint was, they were probably lead and paint was chipping off and they weren't nice. But there was like a collection of maybe three or four in that collection that were really unique and neat. Two of which were flat cats. So one side of the, it wasn't three dimensional. It had a flat side where a cat was on it and a rounded back. And another one was a salt and pepper shaker for left-handed people. And another one was... So wait, can we go back to that? So a salt and pepper shaker for left-handed people. Mm -hmm. 
Now, most salt and pepper shakers are kind of... Uni, uni, uni and... Yeah, exactly. Um, what was special about I this one? I think it was the cuteness of it was oh. that it was for left-handed people. And gotcha. so it was like a jug, let's say. So the handle was oh, on I the see. other side. And I, okay, I understand. So th- that was my latest collection, but I vowed that I was going to stop collecting salt and pepper shakers because once once someone finds out you're a collector of things that's all they give you that's all they give you and so i started to get a ton of salt and pepper shakers and i realized i didn't love collecting salt and pepper shakers i just liked the first one that i got and did you use them no oh so So i put them on a shelf and there they sat on a shelf in my basement that i never looked at and I started to think, I don't need salt and pepper shakers. I don't want any more salt and pepper shakers. I did get a cool shark fin salt and pepper shaker from a friend of mine, Dale, for my birthday, which I really liked. And I got a blue suede shoe um, Elvis salt and pepper shaker from Memphis or Graceland. I can't remember from my friend who's from Jackson, Tennessee, uh, for uh, a wedding present, which was kind of neat. And those I still hold dear, but the rest I've all tried to got, get rid of. So what kind of salt and pepper shaker is currently on your kitchen table? None. I have the tangerine ones in my kitchen, as well as the shark and the blue suede shoes one in my kitchen. And then I actually use for salt a $10 salt shaker that grinds Himalayan salt oh, on my food. Okay. So. so that's what I use for salt. The rest are for decoration, except the tangerines have cayenne pepper in it and cinnamon in the other. So right. neither salt. Okay. I use it for those things. But I wanted to ask you. Yes. What kind of pillow do you currently use? Because I know you're sitting on a meditation pillow. And it's wonderful. The alignment in my back right now is actually quite delightful. Um, I love using different pillows. Now, I have a um, sort of a twin, I think a twin bed, mm-hmm. queen size bed maybe. Um, and I have four large pillows on that bed. And two of them are very good to... Now, I sleep on my side, Marco. Okay. So they're kind of side sleeper pillows. Sure, sure. sure. And two of them are these round body pillows mm-hmm. that I like to sort of um, use to almost prop myself up when I'm sleeping because for me a pillow is very important but what I have to say is that halfway through the night somehow in my sleep I get rid of all the pillows because every morning when I wake up I'm not sleeping on any pillows and so um, I'm not sure if that's, uh, I, I think it might be me. I think it might be also my dog who sleeps in my bed. And okay. if any of our listeners, uh, sleep with dogs in their bed, um, they know that, um, the position that you fall asleep in and the position that you wake up in is dictated, is dictated by the dog's okay. mood and, and activity during the evening, during the night, um, and so sometimes my dog will take over my pillows, so I will wake up in the morning and she will have propped herself onto all the pillows oh. um however for me a pillow like a nice comfy i, I like pillows that are uh, sort of semi-firm 
so they can't be too thick right. um, and too um, firm and they can't be too soft. I'm kind of like, you know that children's, what's that children's nursery rhyme? Not nursery rhyme, that fairy tale, oh, the, yes. the uh, porridge, with the porridge too hot, yeah, too I cold. I think it's the three, three bears. Three bears. Goldie, Goldie Goldilocks, that's it. Bears. I'm kind of like that, but with pillows. It so can't which be... one are you? Are you Papa Bear, who likes it hard? Mama Bear, who likes a softer bed and pillow? Or Baby Bear, who likes it in between? I'm baby bear. You're baby bear. I'm baby okay. bear. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, about yeah. you? I think I'm a a balance of Papa Bear and Mama Bear. I like a firm mattress, mm-hmm. but my pillows I like them to be soft. But I got body pillow one time, and they're really long. Yes, and I, I love think them. I think my wife got it. To be fair, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This giant, awesome, lovely, giant pillow. And I tried, and I hated it. I couldn't really? sleep. Really, it was too long. It was too in my face. I also sleep on my side. Or no, I sleep on my stomach. But I do like to have a pillow um, to hold with my legs. And I have a soft pillow. I do like having pillows near me. Mm -hmm. But I hate a bed that has many pillows on it. And our bed, my wife likes to have other pillows, decorative pillows. Um, So we have a long, roundy one and two smaller ones and then three regular pillows. And so that's the pillow situation in our household but I do like I I wish I, I had a found I how do I describe this I would love to find the perfect travel pillow and I feel like the travel pillows you know those kind of half moon ones that you put the on neck your neck pillows they do nothing for me really yeah. I love those do you yeah what is it what is it that you like about them and how do you use them? Okay, so there's two different ways that I do it. So one is when it's around your neck, I like it because it provides sort of um, extra support, I find, uh, right. for the neck. Because I find that sometimes when you're sleeping in an airplane, uh, when you put your neck backwards because you're sleeping upright there's a gap that comes into your neck and I feel that the neck pillow can can close that gap I also like to take it and not necessarily put it around my neck but actually use it as a pillow and it's thick enough for me to be able to make um like especially if you're on the window side of the plane uh to make a, a comfortable pillow to lean against so those are the two ways I use it and then sometimes I'll even use it for my lower back. If my lower back, for a long haul flight, if my lower back is starting to get um, um, tender, I'll put it there and I find it really makes a difference. Well, here's hoping our listeners have found a comfortable pillow and have drifted off to sleep. If you haven't and you've listened to us till the end, we want to thank you. We also want to say check out our website, insomniaproject.com, or tweet us at listen and sleep till next episode we uh, are broadcasting live from toronto well live i guess this is recorded but live for us right now from toronto canada and the insomnia project is produced by drumcast productions so thanks for listening and continue to listen and sleep <laughs>